This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. From the local lanes to the PBA Tour, bowling fans, welcome to the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, presented by the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Associates. Now, here's your host, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Exciting edition of the Spare Time Bowling Show. See Sparky Pfeiffer along with Dwight Albrecht of the Spare Time Pro Shop at New Berlin Bowl. And uh, definitely want to go check him out. He has been busy, 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 busy drilling up balls and doing so forth, right? Yes, sir. Yep, busy, busy. So uh, stop on over, say hi to Dwight, uh, tell him how much you love the show uh, and all that fun stuff. Now, check this out. So Phil's not here because Phil uh, is on his way back from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine because last night in Japan, EJ Tackett just went off, um, or early this morning, I guess. Um, and yeah. we will talk about what happened, uh, in that a little bit later in the show. I don't think we're gonna have time to do it before we're joined by Jeff Riggles of 11th frame.com. Uh, He'll join us coming up in segment number two. So stay tuned for that. We haven't been here for a while because of Christmas, New Year's, and then last week we had Tom Clark in studio for the entire hour, which was awesome. Our thanks to yes. the commissioner of the PBA Tour for stopping in and doing that. So uh, we're going to do a quick quick, quick rewind, if I can talk, uh, all the way back uh, to the uh, first one, PBA Cheetah Championship, uh, going all the way back to, what was it, it had been December 18th or I guess whatever it was, uh, December 17th, uh, going back to that one. Uh, and again... When you look at the people that are involved in this one for TV, and I'm just getting us ready for Riggles when he comes on, we start talking about ratings, mm-hmm. World Series of Bowling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Mike Wolf, Darren Tang. No, this Darren Tang is. Uh, BJ Moore the third, maybe a person knows who that might be. Uh, Anthony Simonson, people know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike Wolf. And Mike yeah. Wolf's been around for a while, so you yep. may know who Mike Wolf is. So Mike Wolf and Simonson are probably the two guys that you probably know the best. I guess, of everybody that was involved in that one. Now, remember, this was all done um, through elimination a match with this yeah. um, uh, the eliminator or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Which it's, means, like, it's like a college basketball. Right, which means these guys are bowling together, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I was going to get your take on how you felt about that. Format. You know what I feel about it. <laughs> I wanted this stupid thing to be back from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Now, well, what they you- had it last, kind of like that last year, right. too. Now, you mm-hmm. tell me, would you rather watch a stepladder or would you rather watch what we've seen? Well, I know this. Answer. I know. Right. You know what I'm going to say. Old school. <laughs> give me the stepladder, Sparky. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, and here's the re- I, I I understand it. I understand the whole time thing with TV and everything, but it just, it's hard to follow. And I like, I like the second match where it's one-on-one, but it's just, there's just too much at once being hit at you with four guys bowling. Now, 
in the same breath, I love what they did this year, putting in a national bowling stadium rather than downstairs in the 10 pin alley. Right. Uh, that was much better TV coverage. Um, I thought so it helped a little bit, try to keep track of what's going on. But when you got two matches going on simultaneously at one, it's, it's just tough to follow. Well, I agree with you on that. I think the other thing too, is, um, you want drama. And you definitely had drama in one of these shows, and we'll get to that. But, I mean, you want drama. You want it coming down to one guy trying to hang oh, on or get knocked off. I love close matches. That's sure. what you want, right? Right, down to the 10th And range. if you have an opportunity where you can get three guys in a close match yeah, I know. all the way down to the end, yep. that's a lot of drama, mm-hmm. it, it really, it, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. Every show, uh, there was always something that went right down to the ninth and 10th frame. And, and I thought it was all of them were great shows, except it's just hard to follow four at once. I just need, maybe I'll come over and I'll show you how to okay show me keep better play. track of it. I mean, there <laughs> might be something. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting um. But in, in this thing here, but before it's all said and done, the championship match wasn't all that great. Wolf over Tang, two seventy nine uh to one forty three. Mm-hmm. But again, if you go back uh to the elimination match, Tang two thirty seven, Wolf two twenty three, right. Simonson two ten, and more one ninety two. I just find with the amount of equipment that's out there that some of the pros still pick urethane when they're on that short cheetah pattern, Wolf throwing reactive. So there were two throwing urethane, two throwing reactive. And with the array of different motions you can get out of a reactive ball today, I just I find it amazing that some of the guys just stick with urethane and, and Tane sticks with it until the end right? and pays for it. So, I mean, you're the, you're the ball nerd on the show. So tell me why you is going to urethane quote lazy then versus trying to find the right ball? Yeah, I mean you lose the back That's what it sounds reaction. like. I mean these guys obviously it's been proven that entry angle is what produces the pin carry. Right. And urethane is going to definitely take that degree of entry angle down. And I know why they're doing it. They're looking for that control and they want they don't want the ball to overbounce when it hits the dry and stuff like that, but it can also come back to bite you too. I mean, it, it, there's a reason why it's old technology, you know. But it's there's still a use for it out there, especially with the heavy hand guys. But I just didn't think Tane or Simonson had a good look with it. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Wolf said of his formative years, "quote I grew up playing that shot on short oil back in the urethane days. People mm-hmm. always told me Pete Weber was one of the best gutter players he ever." Was. And I was, was a fan of his growing up, so I thought it was cool to play out there. In the title match, Wolf was seen smiling nervously after throwing a couple of early strikes. I thought I threw him in the gutter, he confessed. The very first shot out of the commercial break, I threw it too hard, but it got back to the pocket. There were two shots, at least, that I thought I threw them in the gutter. There were many times during the four shows where the pros were miked and they did not like the, the shot they threw, yet it struck. Right. You know, and Randy picked up on that right away. Yep. No question. Uh, Wolf said, over the past few years, Belmo and some of the other guys have made winning look easy, Wolf said. Bowling a first-timer on TV helped, I think. They look at it differently like I did when I was their age. Darren bowled amazingly for his first show, but you have to use your experience to make good shots. When the little guys like me can sneak one out, it's special. It is. Now, again, I I come back to you again with this, and that is when you are on TV, I mean, mean, you didn't bowl ESPN, but you bowled Channel 4 over here, Mm -hmm. um, bowling with the champs back in the day. Okay, so you're on TV first time, Mm -hmm. right? Is it more nerve-wracking when you're in that first match, or is it more nerve-wracking when you're bowling for the whole enchilada at the end? It never gets easy. Um, Because he's making it sound like, yeah, yeah. he bowled well early when we were all doing it, 
but I knew mm-hmm. I'd get him at the championship match because then you maybe you tense up a little bit and you think about it more. You know, that's the psyche part of the sport. Uh, for me, um, I, it never got easy. I mean, I, I had 18 300s in my life, and I compared every shot on TV, like the 12th ball in a 300 game. I just would stand there and just shake. Even though it was a tape show for Blowing With The Champs, it wasn't live. It's just that whole psyche about the lights and the cameras. and well, you, People are going to see it eventually, whether it's live or not. Right, that it's going to be on TV and it just gets in your brain. I, I just think like anything in life, the more you do it, a little bit more comfortable you get with it. So the more shows you do make, maybe it does become a little easier. Right. But tell me that out of those four guys, that not one of them wasn't nervous. I would assume all four were. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, all right, we move on to the next one, which is the, the Chameleon Championship. And our good old boy, Mitch Beasley. Mm-hmm. Now, we all Mr. remember Grunter. last year. We remember last year. Yes. Him and his girl. Yes. You know, back and forth on TV. I, and I'm just like, I, I don't know what it is about this dude. I don't. I've never met this dude. Yeah. I don't know this dude, right? Yeah. But I don't like this dude, man. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I didn't like him last year when I saw him on TV. I don't know if it's his face. It might be his face that I don't like. <laughs> like, Jay Cutler has that face where you're like, dude, right. I just want to punch him in the face. Yeah. And there's something about Mitch Beasley, for me personally, that I just don't like. And I, yeah. there's no reason to. He might be the nicest guy on the earth. Right. That, but I never met the guy, don't know the guy, but I just find myself rooting against that guy every single time mm. I've seen him on TV. Mm. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Um, so well, his wife obviously saw something that you don't. <laughs> well, right. Just like Kay saw something in me that nobody else obviously does because everybody yeah. else thinks I'm an idiot. He's just, he. I think what, what you don't like about him is he reminds me, so reminds you too much of me. <laughs> oh, that, is that what it is? Yeah, the no, over intensity. Think, no, that, well, the yes. psychotic reaction. You, you know what? Maybe that might be what the grunting it is. after every throw. Yeah, that could be it, like a tennis player, right? Yeah, uh, Monica Sellers a bowling. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, okay, so let's look at oh, uh, what happened here in the PBA Chameleon Championship, uh, and this one here. Here we go again. Listen to these numbers in the elimination match: Beasley two thirty nine, Johnson AJ Johnson two thirty six, Larson two thirty five. Some cat named Dombrowski, uh, 182, and he was just some cat in that situation, just some guy. Uh, yeah, but 239, 236, 235, Dwight, how yep. do you not love this format? I, I do like it. I told you it was it was much better than the year before. It's just, just giving you a hard time. Hard to follow at times, that's okay, all. But didn't you enjoy that? I did. Uh, I really started to catch on to the match around the ninth or 10th frame. Let me, let me summarize oh it by about that. So it's like the first eight frames were, were you blur. like drilling a ball? <laughs> what were you doing? It's just hard to follow. Oh That's all. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, tell me that Randy didn't have a, t- a hard time trying to follow yeah, it either. Yeah, you old guys struggle with this. <laughs> Obviously, I figured that out. Oh, yeah. we just got to put you in that position. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. But, but we'll again, get you to be play-by-play. Play. Look, the, the key to any time you do something like this is the score can't come off the screen. Right. You have to have the three scores or four scores, however many guys you have bowling in this eliminator, all on the screen at the yeah. same time. Because if you right. take it off, people aren't going to know what's going on. They're going to get confused. Yeah. Maybe if it, it, the graphic only showed two frames. So maybe if it showed the whole game of each guy, maybe it would be a little bit easier to try to follow the math. But, and that's why he said... I know they showed the plus 36 and the plus 24 and the guys on the top and everything, but maybe if I would have saw the whole game versus just those two frames, it would have been easier for me to try so to So the ninth frame when you figured it out and then you realize, oh, man, this is pretty cool. No, by that time, Randy's catching up too. <laughs> oh so God. I'm just listening to what he's saying. So Randy was helping you catch up after he was figuring out what It was, was hard out. to follow. <laughs> oh, come on, man. 
I'm old school. I'll admit I'm old school. That's just insane. So Beasley uh, ends up beating uh, A.J. Johnson 246. Yeah, but I'll throw an A.J. Johnson story in for you. Sure. I was I was really cheering for AJ and, and and you're right Mitch might be a great guy but um, one of the lo- early first shows I called with Phil at his local shows on, on Time Warner AJ was on a lot of those shows that we called oh that's awesome right when he was in high school high school, right yeah for the high school matches and we knew back then he was going to go off to have a great college career we knew that he was going to go off maybe and we didn't know at that time that he would go PBA but. Um, and he had that football background, so he also was like a dual sport yep. athlete type of guy. And we saw that talent level at an early age that he could come off to be great. So uh, the only thing with AJ is get, he gets himself over pumped up on TV, and and even his dad was looking at him like, "Calm down, calm down. You got right. you know one more match to go, type of thing." But I was hopefully that cheering for him and that he would get his first title. And again, that match was for each one was for their first tour title. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Beasley with the win. Then it's uh, Johnson, Thomas Larson, and uh, some dude from Ohio, Patrick Dombrowski, uh, cashes in there. So that is uh, the Chameleon Championship. Uh, We move on now to the Scorpion Championship, Mm -hmm. and here's another guy. I just, I'm telling you, man, (laughs) this guy's another guy. And this one, this guy I've interviewed a couple of times. He does not lack confidence in any way, shape, or form, no matter what's going on. Tommy Jones. I mean, this dude... From back in the day when they were making huge money on the PBA tour, or comparably making pretty big money when he kind of broke out and was that guy, to even now when he gets on TV, this is another guy. I don't know how you root for him. I, I don't just if you watch his reactions, if you watch his facial expressions and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You, you big Tommy Jones guy. I, I guess so. I'm well. I mean, uh, yes. For look one, at that for picture. A, that was on the front of the PBA website. For it, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. just me again. You know, you don't worry. They don't care if you like him or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're just I, some radio I, I, guy. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it I'm okay. Matter. I like his talent. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, so I'm not going to I think he's a very good bowler one way or the other. I'm just saying he doesn't like confidence. Beasley, I don't know at all. I just don't like his face, whatever it may be. Jones, I, I do know. I have interviewed a couple times. Not lacking confidence. Um. Is he it's, arrogant? You just don't like the arrogance? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, probably. Yeah, yeah. I just I think hard, you have to have that out there, though. Sure, you do. Right, Belmonte certainly has it, but Belmonte doesn't drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Tommy Jones drives me a little crazy, mm-hmm. a, a little okay. bit, a little bit crazy. And, and maybe because maybe I'd be the same mm-hmm. way if I was out on tour, be with the same reactions and the emotion and everything mm-hmm. else. But like I said before, you need guys that you can root against on this tour. You do. Mm-hmm. And you need guys you can root for. What you don't need a lot of are guys that you don't care one way or the other. Yeah. That Dombrowski guy, I didn't care. Right. Didn't care. Uh, glad, congratulations, I, you're on TV from yeah. Ohio or whatever, but I don't really care if you win or not. I thought you were going to talk more about Brandon Novak and his arm swing. Mm. <laughs> That's why I thought you were going when you said you were going to interview him. Your thoughts? Uh, well, Randy had it 100% correct, the Jim Furyk of the PBA. <laughs> yeah. You know, with his arm Golf. swing. But it's just amazing, just like Jim Furyk, right before he hit the ball, how Brandon gets it right back in line right before the release. But you, I mean, that has to be your deal, right? You can't teach that, that, that was in a tough. lesson. No, You can't there's... teach that in a lesson, Dwight, to some kid that's 12. Here, I, we're right. going to do it like him. I'll guarantee you that was in junior leagues. He did it that way, and it's stuck ever since. The whole time. Because right. it worked, mm-hmm. and nobody ever taught him out of it or whatever else, right? Because he was killing. Now the he's pins. perfected it, right? Right, and it's his shot, but it's not something you can teach, right, to somebody else. But the first time you watch it, though, as a fan, you're like, "What the right?" You know. So 
Yeah, no mm-hmm. question about it. Uh, okay, so uh, we look at that one here. Uh, and step ladder results for this one, the elimination match again. More 224, Jones 212, Svensson 194, Novak 175. And then it comes down to another boring championship match. Jones over more 211 to 168. They've had some clunkers in these championship matches with bad scores. They yeah. really have. I, I do like BJ Moore, though. I think that's a young, bright future for that young BJ man. BJ Moore, the third. The third. The third. The third. I, yeah. I like his game. Boy, does he put a lot on the ball. I like him too. You know, he was in the PBA League. You know, I mean, he was part of the 300-game team. I, I like his game. Tommy Jones was part of that team with Norm Duke. Sure. So I, I like his game. You'll see a lot of him going forward in the future. So Tommy Jones first, B.J. Moore the third, second, then yes versus Svensson and Brandon Novak uh, round out that field there. Uh, and it's funny, Tommy Jones with his 18th PBA Tour title. Jones joined PBA Hall of Famers Nelson Burden Jr., Dave Davis, uh, Dave Suter, is that it? The late Billy Hardwick and future Hall of Famer Chris Barnes in a tie for 15th place on the all-time PBA Tour titles list, said our guy Tommy Jones, quote, 18 is great, but 20 is special. There aren't many guys in PBA history who have won 20 titles, so that's something that'll hopefully happen down the road. Right now, the most important thing is I tied Chris Barnes, and I'm a decade younger than him. And you can quote me on that, he added with a grin. For the record, Barnes is obviously 46. I think Jones falls in. I mean, Jones is very good friends with Jason Couch. And Jason Cowles, I, I saw, I met him at a trade show that we go to, mm-hmm. and and it's the same philosophy, Sparky. It's just that, man, they're they're never wrong type of well, deal. Well, which is fine. Look, like you said, regardless of what sport you're in, right? Yeah. If yeah. you're going to be amongst the best, you're going to probably have that borderline arrogance. Yes. Along the way, you do. You have to believe in you to a level that nobody else yeah, believes in you. And that's the you feeling I got from it. Jason talking to Jason too. Right. You have to have that level and. Some guys use that and multiply it yes. in order to get where they want to go. Have to have it. There's just right. no question. Some guys are just real easy to talk to, and some just aren't. aren't. Right. It all depends. Right. right. And again, I've I've interviewed Tommy before. I've I had no problem interviewing him. Mm-hmm. But you could just tell, like, if if you went and play golf with him, I, I'm imagining he's probably the same guy in the golf course that you see on the Moyne Lands because he yeah. loves playing golf. I'm guessing it's probably the very same way. He has that one mode, and yes. that one mode has done very well for him in his career. He's made mm-hmm. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of money. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, we'll have Jeff Regals from 11thframe.com coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, then we have the USA and the World and the World Series of Bowling uh, finale. I didn't like either team. So, Oh, I thought it was a great show. Out, like, of the, out of the five, I th- that was my favorite. Well, I understand. I'm just telling you, from my standpoint. Right. I love the Baker format. From a fan standpoint, yeah. right? Dick Allen doesn't get people to watch. Mitch Beasley not oh, going to get people to watch. Yeah. B.J. Moore the third not going to get people to watch. Matt O'Grady, if you knew who Matt O'Grady was in his deal, yeah, I like him. I would watch Matt O'Grady. Yeah. But how many people know who Matt O'Grady is? Right. And then E.J. Tackett, obviously people are going to watch him. And then the world, Sam Cooley, nope. Uh, Don Barrett, sure. Yeah. Francois Lavoie, I see. What, yeah. yeah, have you seen him? Arturo yeah. Quintero, no. Yeah. And Martin Larson has been yeah. around, but there's nothing exciting about Martin Larson. Right. All right. You know, and, and again, I, I realize this is the bowling show, and I should be nice to everybody, blah blah blah. But I'm just being honest with you, from a fan standpoint. Yeah. Right. You, it's very difficult to get down with guys that you don't know, and then don't display a lot of personality to go along with it. So if I don't know player X on TV that's bowling, and you don't give me a reason to root for or root against you, mm-hmm. then you're just a guy. Mm-hmm. And if there's a bunch of guys that I'm watching, then it's going to be very difficult for me to stay right. tuned in without flipping channels. I found it a very entertaining show, regardless of the guys that were on there. I oh, it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying, I'm not knocking the show. Yeah. I'm just saying, 
from the from the aspect of the right. people that were Star, involved, right. the average bowler. So you looking fan, like for the the average bowling yeah. fan is watching USA versus World. Cool. I want to see you know Rash Barnes. Right. I'm going to see Belmo. Top five. Pete Weber's could probably bowl a Team USA. This will be fun. And then I turn it on and see this. I go, whoa, what, mm-hmm. what, what, what are we? Why? Um, okay, right. sure. I guess I'll give it a shot. Now again, if you stuck through it, great. Like Dick Allen strikes on every ball. Every ball. Every ball EJ, every strike. Right. How many people stuck with it long enough to know that was the end result at the end versus just went to PBA.com later to see what happened? Yeah, I wish they had another game because I really enjoyed the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was a great show. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking the show. Right. All I'm saying just is from the a guys fan, that were on it. And right. the reason I'm talking about this is because we have Riggles coming up and he's going to talk about ratings. ratings right. So I, I just, I'm just trying to throw this out there in front mm-hmm. of what we're talking about here. Well, it was interesting how they chose the five because they weren't one, two, three, four, five. It was like eight. You know, twelfth, fourteenth. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't like. Were those the guys that were left around? You know, that decided. No, to, I don't know how they choose formula. it. You know. Uh, okay, right. so coming up next, we'll talk with Jeff Riggles of EleventhFrame.com and get his thoughts on the uh, TV ratings for the World Series of Bowling and uh, the shows that we just talked about. Straight ahead here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back, Castle Light Spare Time Bowling Show. Presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. We'll have an Ebonite bowling ball to give away uh, coming up uh, next month. And uh, Dwight, we're going to have Sean Morris on, right, from Ebonite? Sean Morris is coming on later from Ebonite between 940 and 955, and he'll be talking about the ball and the company and the direction Ebonite's going. All right, sounds good. So we'll talk to him coming up. Uh, but first, been joined now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Always fun to talk to Jeff Riggles from 11thFrame.com. You can check out his blog. Uh, he's the best of the best when it comes to writing stuff uh, on the PBA for sure. Hey, Jeff, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Always my pleasure, Sparky. All right, uh, first things first, uh, your thoughts. You have a, a big thing up on the ratings. Your thoughts on how the World Series of Bowling did ratings-wise. Well, I thought it was pretty fascinating because the biggest takeaway I got from it was that further proof that live versus taped mean nothing. That's because you when you watch numbers. it, but wait, 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 hold on. Okay. That is because of one simple thing, and that is most people that are watching it on tape don't watch Extra Frame, don't listen to the Spare Time Bowling Show, have no idea that it is on tape, and they think it's live. So in oh, their absolutely. in their absolutely. opinion, it, they don't. It doesn't say taped on the top of the screen. So you think you're watching a live event even when you're not? Absolutely, I couldn't agree more with you. You you nail it on the head there that. Those hundreds of thousands of people watching, those are casual fans who, you know, they're, they're just watching bowling and have no idea what went on to get there, probably even. And they're not the hardcores who, uh, you know, want to watch it live and complain on social media if they don't get to. Although this year that was the other cool thing is they got to do that thanks to the uh, Watch ESPN app, ESPN3 uh, broadcast for the animal patterns. So tell me, was there a major difference in shows that went against the NFL versus didn't? Not really. Um uh, the numbers were pretty similar. The the only thing that really made the numbers boom was the Christmas Day telecast. The first one, which followed the NBA game, was over a million. Nice. And the other other ones were in the four hundred to six hundred thousand range, which is which is just amazing how what an impact that has. And not only are there all the people sitting home watching TV, but you know you had a lead in of I'm sure that NBA game probably got three, four, five million viewers and that that just the lead-in is everything and you see that with uh as much as the nfl hurts the shows that are only an hour that follow 
ESPN uh, game day before the NFL, uh, their pregame always do pretty well too. And I think that 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 NBA thing that was really amazing to see that number. So overall, are they up then the PBA ratings versus where they were? Yeah, I think so. I, but it's hard to say because it just gets. I think that one just kind of skewed um, things. I think the big comparison would be the Thursday night PBA World Championship live show in 2015, two years ago, was. 600 and some thousand, 660 or so, if I want to remember. And then the live one on the Sunday afternoon where it was against the NFL with EJ Tackett, again, the top seed, um, that was only 400 and some thousand. So uh, I, I think there may be the, the really relevant comparison, and there you may see a little bit of NFL impact. I, I, I'm interested to point this out because you have it in your article, talking about other quote-unquote niche sports like billiards, drone racing league, uh, World Poker Tour, Major League Fishing, uh, College Men's Basketball, Tulsa and Illinois State, even F. Austin versus Utah and FSU, all these different ones. And the, the the numbers are amazing. So like, if you talk about the PBA, what, what's their average number for a show? Like 500,000, 600,000 people? Yeah, five, six 600,000. And then right. once the NFL is done and we're going to get those majors in February, I think you're going to see more than that. And some of those get in the eight, nine hundred thousand to a million, kind of depending on weather is a huge factor. If there's a big blizzard across a lot of the country, so people are stuck inside and, you know, watching TV. That was the all-time record rating back in the ABC days was a blizzard day on uh, a nor'easter on the East Coast, if I recall. Sure. So that sort of thing has a big impact. But, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think you'll you'll get the six hundred to eight hundred thousand, depending if it's NFL or not. It's interesting. So you look at all those ones that I just talked about, right? World Poker Tour on Fox Sports 2, 35 to 87,000. Yep. Uh, Major League Fishing, 57,000. I'm amazed that many people watch that. Uh, <laughs> drone Racing League, 261,000. Hmm. I'll admit I recorded that because the boys are into drones, so I wanted to see what it was. That's crazy. I didn't even know there was drone racing. Yeah. yeah. Clark told me about it. <laughs> I recorded it and watched it. It's a pretty crazy, crazy, pretty oh, crazy deal. Uh, Billiards Trick Shot Magic, no interest, 245,000. Billiards just in general on ESPN 2. 268,000. Now, you also put in here major sports, right? Timberwolves right. Thunder on ESPN, 1.3 million. Clippers Lakers on ESPN late at night, 1.6 million. Celtics Knicks on ESPN, that was a uh, early game, uh, 3.687 million. Uh, Ravens Steelers, uh, that was the night game, right? That was the Christmas night game, 14.7 million uh, people. That That is insane to me. But if you look at the PBA uh, on Christmas, they had one one million, right? Kind of, I mean, they were three hundred thousand behind Timberwolves Thunder, I guess, or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, the, everybody says, "Well, boy, better not, better not lose that ESPN contract." I don't know why the ESPN would not want the PBA at this point. If you just look at their average numbers for some of the other stuff they're putting on TV. Oh, absolutely, and that's why ESPN keeps. They want them. They get more putting PBA on against NFL than anything else they throw in there. And uh, I think most bowling people who are disappointed with all that sort of thing really need to keep this perspective of where we'd be without that deal, without being on TV. We would have no sponsors because sponsors at least want that visibility. And they also get hung up on comparing what the ratings were when three, four, five, six million people watched bowling on Saturday afternoons on ABC. Well, that was back in the era when there was – Three networks and cable was yep. in its infancy, and many people didn't have it. And it's just, it's a totally different world, and you just can't. It's comparing apples and oranges to what we have today. And I think things are, 
things are are good in one sense and and bad in another sense. But if you keep everything in context, you just know that you need that that ESPN deal. And it's these people. Let's all go. Let's go to you know another network, Fox Sports or more CBS Sports. Those. I mean, you get just a fraction. I've heard that the CBS Sports Network U.S. Open show, by some estimates, was maybe a hundred thousand people is all because it's just such, has such little penetration. So. You know, I mean, as much as you want to see that ESPN get away from the NFL, it really, you know, I mean, it's it's better than anything else we have, and, and maybe who knows what will happen, but we do have a whole month of February with a lot of shows going live with no NFL. Jeff, you were talking about uh, some of the things that you agree with Tom Clark and some of the things that you would change. What would you change on the PB if you had a chance? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I I would say that I agree with Tom Clark a lot more than I agree with the USBC and and Chad Murphy's direction um, in sitting there listening to, you know, interviewing Tom and having to get into it. You know, I mean, he's I think he gets a kind of a bad rap because he's kind of hamstrung by the budget he has to work with. And they try a lot of very innovative things. And I, I think for the most part, he does about as good a job as he could do. And the one thing that I really wanted to see that he brought up there is he's considering it, and that's to take that blue oil and to use it throughout the World Series of bowling. I mean, from the first shot of the first tournament, not just on TV, but to use it throughout, because I've got a story I'm working on that's going to run here, and I'm hoping about using that blue oil to try to show the difference between sport bowling, real bowling, competitive high-level bowling, and recreational bowling. Um, I'm hoping to use the Blue Oil for my tournament in Dubuque in, in August if we can get permission from Brunswick. And uh, I think that's the one thing that I, I'm really excited to see Tom take take that way. And that's a way where he's going the opposite way of USBC, which is doing everything akin to high blame patterns and, and what the nature is of our game. I'm confused. What, what does using the Blue Oil, how does that differentiate for TV ratings or otherwise, or how does that – Help or help bowlers or not well, help bowlers. It's less it's less about TV ratings than it is about using it throughout the competition, and also you would have it in certified play all over the place eventually, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And believe me, you would see a rather large difference putting out the, for example, um, whatever scorpion pattern, chameleon pattern, U.S. Open pattern versus the uh, funnel down the middle you would see in your league. And all right. of a sudden, that person who doesn't know what ah. oil is or that it's even on the lane is going to say right away, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I see that. When you try to tell a non-bowler about oil on a lane, they get a blank look. Even right. when you explain it to them, they still have a blank look. If they can visually see that and see two lanes, house shot, PBA shot, flat oil, whatever, all of a sudden the light bulb goes on in their head and they all of a sudden understand why the guy in league averages 240 and the guy winning the PBA tour averages 215. You're talking, so it's an educational it's, tool you yes. want to use it as. Yeah, that's that's Absolutely. really smart. Yeah. From from that aspect, I totally get down with that. My my biggest thing, and you know this, listen to this show, my biggest thing is I, I just I don't I, I don't understand the whole spot lack of sponsorship thing here. I that just I mean that drives me absolutely out of my mind yeah. bonkers how they d- don't have more sponsors. It just I, I don't understand. I mean, you yourself said it. You're on ESPN. Yeah, five six hundred thousand right. people. You've got all these other things on TV with however many. Just go through and nitpick all of these people. I mean, all of these are aiming at your same demographic. Billiards, that's your demographic. Drone racing league, I have no idea. Major league fishing, that's your demographic as far as men that are watching or whatever else. Dude, whoever they got is now again. Fishing sponsors aren't going to sponsor bowling. But, I mean, and these other ones, I would just sit here and nitpick who I want to go get one way or the other. You've got, and, and again, just me, 
You've got CarMax down the road here in Franklin, mm-hmm. right? We talk to CarMax at all. I mean, we're this right here in Franklin. That would be beautiful. Yeah. Go get them. You, you don't even have to have an agency or nothing. You can just walk in and go talk to them and figure out if you can get them in at a minimalistic thing. You know, not every guy has to be a top level sponsor. You can put in small, in my opinion. Now, again, Tom would probably be here laughing at me, Tom Clark. But why can't you put in smaller packages, right? That smaller tiers that you can get in on. I don't know. It's just that. I, that no, I'm to with me. you 100. percent I'm with you 100, percent and that's the, probably the most frustrating thing for real bowlers, fans of the PBA, people who want to support the PBA, and the bowlers themselves that we don't have more sponsors. And the, you know, I got into that with Tom in that interview, and he talked about the eight million different ways they've tried every possible avenue: high-level, successful marketing agencies, to doing it in-house, to combining with Strike Ten Entertainment Agency, and I mean, it just it fails and fails and fails, and uh, you tell Tom or you tell me or you tell the industry, how do we get the corporate executives? I mean, there are a few. There are a few, but how do we get more of them to understand the potential value I'll tell of you, what bowling? I'll tell you right now what I would do. If I was the owners of the PBA Tour, I'll tell you, there's one person I would hire immediately, and he'd get it done, Randy Bernard. Just look him up. Randy Bernard is the guy that was responsible for uh, the PBR, uh, the Pro Bowl Riding Tour, Mm -hmm. uh, and just blew that up from where it was, which was tiny nothing, to a multi-million dollar organization uh, that is unbelievable. Uh, Then he went into uh, IndyCar, hired him, and he went in IndyCar. Now, in IndyCar, he hacked off all the the legends, the Andretti's of the world, those guys who are car guys and didn't want to hear new ways of doing things. But he went in and he brought Ford back to the sport. He went in and got a lot, went in and made it a a tire manufacturer competition to see who was going to get in. Brought a ton of more uh, sponsorship dollars in and money into that industry that wasn't there before. So for me, that guy to me is the guy of, look, let Tom just still run his thing, but bring Randy Bernard and go, dude, you're going to be in charge of everything above that, and that is sponsorship and everything else. Now, whether or not these owners have enough money to pay Randy Bernard to come in here and do that is beyond me. Probably not. Oh, but that, those guys, they were some of the first people in Microsoft and have been very successful so they have with other companies. They, they have, they have okay. enough money to get anybody they want, trust me. Well, there's your, there's your guy, Randy Bernard. I love the guy. And All right. that's the guy, and I've interviewed him several times, and he's a super nice guy, but that guy gets it. He took bull riding, for God's sakes, mm-hmm. and made millions and millions of dollars off of it and figured out how to make it super popular. And if you can do it with bull riding, don't tell me you can't do it with bowling. I mean, I just, you know what, I don't Marty, buy it. Is the thing about the bull riders is I bet you they're like NASCAR people, and their sponsors, I bet you they are... The fans are intensely loyal but Jeff, to the sponsors I got, and buy the products. We don't see that in bowling and historically haven't. Jeff, sadly. I used to watch PBR, right? So I used mm-hmm. to watch it. Um, and I got into it. I didn't necessarily have riders one way or the other, but it was just kind of fun to watch. But if I was the PBA, again, and I talk about these smaller level sponsors, instead of saying, okay, you're going to sponsor Je- uh, Sean Rash and Belmonte, whatever, screw that. Because you can't guarantee those guys are going to get on TV. In NASCAR, my car is going to be on TV for the most part every single week, unless you're some lower guy that's got to race in. But for the most part, Junior's on every week. Gordon's on every week, right? True. So I just say, look, if you buy this sponsorship package, you'll be on the shirt of whoever the one seed is that week. If you buy this sponsorship package, you're on the two seed. This on the three, this on the four, this on the five. Yes, you're going to have to custom make shirts or however difficult that is in order to get it done. But 
There, now I know, okay, I'm on the one seat. I know I'm visible in the championship match at the end of the show. If I'm on the five, maybe he makes a run, and I get all this additional exposure for not as much money. And now you're selling the the shirts kind of like you would sell uh, a NASCAR jacket with sponsorships all over right. it, that right. type of deal. And then you take those, those shirts that you have, Jeff, right? And let's say EJ Tech just went on that run this morning in Japan, right, from the five. You take yep. that shirt that he wore and you replicate it with all the sponsors that were on it for that five-match run and sell it on PBA.com and say, hey, you know, buy the jersey that EJ Tackett wore or whatever else. I, because those EJ Tackett fans are going to want to wear the stuff that he wore or whatever else, especially if you have younger kids or whatever else. Oh, yeah. And you get those fan bases of Belmonte and Rash yep. and stuff. I like that idea, but then you're going to have to cut some sort of deal with Storm, Motive, Brunswick, EVI, Turbo. To Ultimate, get them a cut. Vice. Yeah, you're going to have to work something out, but that is a fascinating idea. I like that. Because, I, again, it's just, I don't know. And I know they said they've tried everything uh, a million times and back. I just, I guess I don't buy it necessarily. I, I don't, because, again, I, I would love to, I, maybe I will. Maybe I will drive over there on Tuesday and go find out if they actually have talked to them. Has PBA Tour ever called you about advertising uh, and, and find out? I, I, go for it. I, because some of these, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't understand how, and I'm not asking you, well, I'm not going to get into it. It's just going to sound like I'm slamming the PBA, and that's not my intention. My intention is trying to figure out how to make more money to make this yeah. more successful. Right. That's that's my 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 point on all of this. Oh, you have the same feelings that just all PBA all PBA players have had through the years, and and the ones who are super fans in that. And it's the frustration is just uh, high because everyone feels like we deserve more, and we we can deliver more if people will get on board with us. And and it's just a it's just a a bad circle that's very frustrating. Yep. He is Jeff Riggles, 11 framecom Thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Always. Anytime for you, Spark. You bet you take care. There he is, Jeff Riggles on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com. They're ready when you are. Don't you think people would wear a Belmonte shirt that he wore to win the U.S. Open or a rash shirt that he wore to win the Masters or whatever the case may be? Absolutely, especially the youth. Right. Uh, right. Shannon's tournament, uh, the Junior Hall of Fame. Every, yeah. every kid on that final that I saw pictures on Facebook was wearing a Storm jersey shirt, a Ebonite shirt, a some sort of staff bowling shirt. Every mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. And she had like, what, a couple hundred people, kids there? I, Come I, on. That's that's I, I don't understand that. And, well, I, I could do three hours on this. We're not going right. to. Though. Uh, coming up next, though, we'll talk with Sean Morris from Ebonite. He's been nice enough to help us out, giving us a bowling ball to give away. And we'll find out what bowling ball it is and what it all does coming up next here on the uh, Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Castle Lane, Spare Time Bowling Show, presented to you by the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association. Steve Sparky Fiverr, Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop at New Berlin Bowl. Joining us now from Ebonite, he is Sean Morris. Nice enough to give us a bowling ball to give away on the show this year. He joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Sean, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the invite, guys. All right, Sean, so what what, what ball are we going to get to give away on this show? We get to give away the uh, Track Mako. It's uh, the next HP ball from that line. It's uh, the the brand's actually been uh, pretty hot. It's spiked uh, with uh, Paradox being released. 
the Paradox kind of had a pretty unique deal to it. It had uh, the first-generation dual-density core. We're kind of carrying it over in the Mako and uh, introducing uh, the second-generation dual-density core, and that ball comes out the 24th of this month, and we're pretty excited about it. The thing, Sean, that our listeners maybe don't understand, and maybe you can and highlight them a little bit, is even though it's Ebonite, you guys actually have several brands. Tell the listeners how many brands you guys actually carry down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Yeah, we got four individual brands. It's actually pretty neat. A little bit of history there is uh, Ebonite, uh, quite a few years ago, actually was just Ebonite by itself. Um, and then they had purchased uh, Fabball, and so they added the Hammer brand to it. And then about, oh, almost 10 years ago, actually it is, uh, they actually had purchased Columbia Industries, at the time, Columbia Industries had two brands underneath their house, uh, which was Columbia 300 and Track. So currently, uh, we have uh, four brands, uh, Hammer, Track, Columbia 300, and Ebonite. So pretty exciting, actually. When you talk about uh, the Ebonite brand, obviously you guys have been around a, a long time. I, I would have to assume you look at this right now. Uh, you're not in a valley, but you're, you're, you're starting towards a peak right now, it looks like. Yeah, it is. You know, we did some, um, we did some pretty neat things uh, about five years ago. Uh, and what we actually did is uh, we, a new CEO came on board, uh, a gentleman by the name of Randy Schickert. And he's actually kind of a hometown, uh, guy by you, mm-hmm. hometown boy by you guys. Uh, Key Washcomb is actually is where he's from. Uh, so Randy came in. Uh, Bill Scheid was the CEO for many years, and he had retired. Randy came in did a pretty awesome job, actually. Kind of evaluated the entire situation and said, hey, guys, you know, we got to kind of reevaluate how we're doing it, how we're attacking the business. Um, we had, with the four brands, we had four individual brand managers that were kind of running their ship. You know, and their responsibility was to make their brand successful. They did a great job, you know, but sometimes when you introduce products or programs into the market, you are affecting the competition, but you're also affecting, obviously, you know, the competition that's within house. Competition is a good thing, you know, obviously because it is a good thing. Uh, but Randy said, hey, we've got to work a little bit better as a team. So let's restructure this thing. So about two years ago, he said, hey, we're getting rid of the brand managers. We're going to have our marketing team. We're going to have our sales team. Or we're going to have our R&D team. And we're going to work together to make all brands successful. So that's really kind of where it's turned around in the last couple of years. And it's pretty exciting. I mean, the products improve because we're just working more as a team. All right. My next question is I was talking with Sean Morris of Ebonite Bowling here on The Fan. Is we always hear as fans about, you know, bowlers switching companies. You know, Fagan makes that switch. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. That They're, they're really going to corner the market now that they got Fagan and really hadn't worked out. But when you look at it from your perspective, how does that work? NASCAR, they call it the silly season. Uh, how, how does it work for you guys as far as, uh, you know, getting that guy that is, quote, unquote, a free agent? Um, does, is there a bidding process that happens between bowling ball manufacturers? How does that work? You know, and I'm a, a little distant from the PBA itself, you know, um, in my job, in essence, I'm a district sales manager. I cover seven states, you know, in the upper Midwest. Uh, but I've been in the industry a long time. Uh, I actually worked for the PWBA, the LPBT, back uh, in the day when the, the previous version for nine years. And so, you know, I have some history there to kind of know how everything works. You know, it's actually funny. I was listening to one of your old uh, Cast and I believe a gentleman by the name of Phil is he Phil Brilo? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's the announcer yeah. for Extra Frame for PBA.com. He's actually on his way back from Japan right now. Yeah, and he made a really good comment. He said, you know, because you guys had gotten the conversation about um, players switching brands and changing over, and he made a comment that, and it, and it makes a whole lot of sense. And, and sometimes 
I think the bowler doesn't necessarily see it that way or see it. You know, those guys can strike with anything, you know, if you're, and I'm not belittling our brand or any of the brands that are out there, you know, whether you're, you know, Dominic Barrett is good enough to strike with whatever brand that he's throwing with. But to add to that, you know, and I think it's a huge thing that you have to realize, when these guys do switch companies, you know, we've picked up some really nice players in the last couple of years to strengthen our team. You know, they wouldn't make that move if the product wasn't good. You know, there's a lot on the line for these guys, you know, so when they do make that move, you know, the product's still good. They're not going to take that chance if the product is not good. You know, so that's kind of, I guess, the major overall thing in which I can say about that, you know, what I see. And you guys just picked up a couple brand new signings, correct? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We picked up uh, Ronnie Russell and uh, Jacob Buttruff, and, I mean, Jacob had an awesome year last year, and he comes on board right away, and he wins his first tournament, and then uh, the very next tournament with the team trials, he just wrecks him out there and leads that, you know. So it's, it's pretty exciting to, you know, when you make a change because the products are different, um, and then to have that type of success, you know, even looking back, you know, uh, within the last couple of years, we picked up Tom Doherty and Mike Wolf, and both those guys extremely, you know, basically knew after signing, they're, you know, they succeed also when win events. So it's, it is exciting. And what's the neat, unique thing about that is, is kind of an extra point in which I, I like to take that is, you know, Tom Doherty and Mike Wolf, besides obviously, you know, having a lot, um, uh, you know, a lot in which they put on the lanes in which they do. They also own very successful pro shops. Mm-hmm. You know, so besides the fact that these guys trusting the product in their hands, they're also trusting the product in which they're selling to their customers, which I even, I, in my opinion, even says more about the brands themselves. Right, and obviously we have something come up, coming up at New Berlin on January 26th, and we are actually going to have your brands out there on a Thursday night for what we call a demo day. So explain to uh, uh, the listeners how that works, Sean. Yeah, you really can't beat it. We get there with, uh, we're going to go there, we'll probably have six to eight of the newest balls that are out there. You know, it's like test driving a car, or test driving, driving a new golf driver, uh, just to see how it works. It's, uh, uh, we've got interchangeable grips, we have different spans, the bowlers can come out there and try the new product. It's just a great way, you know, instead of, uh, you know, the, your customers come to you, um, Dwight, in, in a normal, you know, circumstances, you know, you're reading the information, you're getting all the information which you get from the manufacturers and from the line, but still you're giving them the best educated guess in which you can do, and you do an awesome job at that. The demo program, you really just can't beat. You know, you actually get to throw the products, see how they work. You just can't beat it. And, you know, instead of taking that risk of paying 200 or $250 for a product, you actually get to throw it first. Right. You know, so we're going to be there through the league so the league players can try it, and we're going to be there... Uh, after the league is over, so if you've got some, some customers that don't bowl in that league, they can come on and try the products also. Yeah, Sean Morris of Ebonite. Sean, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. You bet you take care. There he is, Sean Morris on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit greatmidwestbank.com. They're ready when you are. You're going to watch a Packer game today. Yes, we will be at Quaker State. Mm-hmm. We are going to have a Bucks game here on The Fan. And we are going to talk about the PBA Tour for a couple more minutes coming up next. 
All right, that'll do it for the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show presented to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Our thanks to Jeff Riggles of 11thFrame.com and Sean Morris of Ebonite for coming on. And, and Dwight, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Mark. You too. That'll Go Packers. Go Packers. Quaker Steak and Move game day party. Get out there early. Hockland and Dick signed picture to give away and a Brett Hundley signed mini replica helmet to give away too. We'll see you at Quaker Steak and Lube later this afternoon. Bye-bye.